Chapter Five of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Five. That was how they kept it up together. Not that Mrs. Ransome was conscious of keeping it up, of ministering to an illusion as monstrous as it was absurd she had married mr ransome believing with a final and absolute conviction in his wisdom and his goodness what she was keeping up had kept up for twenty-two years and would keep up forever was the attitude of her undying youth it was its triumph over life itself in her youth the draper's daughter had been dazzled by mr ransome by his attainments his position his distinction Fullymore Ransom had about him the small refinement of the suburban shopkeeper, made finer by the intellectual processes that had turned him out a pharmaceutical chemist. In her world of Wandsworth High Street, his grave, fastidious figure had stood for everything that was superior. He was superior still. He had never offered his headache as a spectacle to the public eye. Born in secrecy and solitude, it remained unseen outside the sacred circle of his home even there he had contrived to create around it an atmosphere of mystery so that it was open to mrs ransome to regard each headache as an accident a thing apart solitary and miraculous in its occurrence faced with the incredible fact she found a certain gratification in the thought that mr ransome's position enabled him to order the best spirit wholesale and with a professional impunity so inviolate was his privacy that not even the wine and spirit merchant next door could gauge the amount of his expenditure in this item thus in mrs ransome's eyes the worst headache he had ever had could not impair his innermost integrity her vision of him was inspired by an innocence and sincerity that were of the substance of her soul and in this optimism she had brought up her son ranny with his venturesomeness had carried it a step further for ranny not only did mr ransome's inebriety conceal itself under the name of headache but in those hours when the headache cast its intolerable gloom over the household ranny persisted from his childhood he had persisted in regarding his father perversely as the source and fount of joy it was in this happy light he saw him on sunday morning when mrs ransome came into the back parlour where he was hiding his paper the pinkin behind him under the sofa cushions she was wearing her new slaty-grey gown with a lace collar and a head-dress that combined the decorum of the bonnet with the levity and fascination of the hat black it was with a spray of damask roses and their leaves that spring upward from mrs ransome's left ear your father's going to church she said ranny sat up among his cushions and said oh lord that hummingbird's a fair treat he took it as a supreme instance of his father's humour but that was not the way mrs ransome meant that he should take it ranny's admiration implied that the hummingbird was carrying it off successfully if you like but still carrying it whereas what she desired him to see was that there was nothing to be carried off obviously there could not be when mr ransome was prepared to go to church for the going to church of mr ransome was itself a ritual a high religious ceremony hitherto he had kept himself pure for it abstaining from all headache overnight it was this habitual consecration of mr ransome that made his last lapse so remarkable and so important while it revealed it as fortuitous 
ranny had missed the deep logic of his mother's statement mr ransome was sidesman at the parish church and at no time was the headache compatible with being sidesman nothing had ever interfered with the slow pageant of mr ransome's progress toward church outside in the passage he was lingering over his preparations the adjustment of his tie the brushing of his tall hat the drawing on of the dogskin gloves he wore in his office it was not easy for mr ransome to exceed the professional dignity of his frock coat and grey trousers and yet every sunday by some miracle he did exceed it each minute irreproachable detail of his dress accentuated reiterated the suggestion of his perpetual sobriety still there remained the memory of last night mrs ransome did not evade it on the contrary she used it to demonstrate the indomitable power of mr ransome's will i say he ought to be laying down she said but there he won't you know what he is since he's been sidesman it's my belief he'd rise up off his deathbed to hand that plate it's his duty to go and go he will if he drops that's your father all over that's him ranny assented his mother looked him in the face it was the look familiar to ranny on a sunday morning that while it reinstated ranny's father in his rectitude contrived subtly insidiously to put ranny in the wrong you're going too his mother said well no he wasn't exactly going not that was to say to any church in wandsworth he had in fact a pressing engagement to meet young tyser at the first easterly signpost on putney common and cycle with him to richmond it's only a spin said ranny though the look on his mother's face was enough to tell him that a spin on a sunday was dissipation and he recklessly iniquitously spinning a prodigal most unsuitably descended from an upright father and then this happened nearly every sunday ranny set himself to charm away that look from his mother's face first of all he said she was a tip-topper a howling swell and asked her where she expected to go in that hat nippin in and cuttin all the girls out and she a married woman and a mother and whether it wouldn't be fairer all round and much more proper if she was to wear something in the nature of a veil then he buttoned up her gloves over her little fat wrists and kissed her in several places where the veil ought to have been and when he had informed her that the humming-bird was a regular toff and had dismissed them both with his blessing standing on the doorstep of the shop he wheeled his bicycle out into the street mounted it and followed at the pace of a walking funeral until his parents had disappeared into the parish church then ranny in his joy set up a prolonged ringing of his bicycle bell as it were the cry of his young soul a shrill song of triumph and liberation and delight and in his own vivid phrase he let her rip of course he was a prodigal a wastrel a spendthrift going the pace he was with a vengeance like a razzling dazzling devil-may-care young dog a prodigal driven by the lust of speed dissipating his divine energies in this fierce whirling of the wheels scattering his youth to the sun and his strength to the wind in the fury of riotous biking a drunkard mad drunk blind drunk with the draught of his onrush that was ranny on a sunday morning he returned at one o'clock to a dinner of roast mutton and apple tart conversation was sustained for mercier's benefit at the extreme pitch of politeness and precision it seemed to ranny that at sunday dinner his father reached socially a very high level it seemed so to mrs ransome as she bloomed and flushed in a brief return of her beauty above the mutton and the tart 
she bloomed and flushed every time that mr ransome did anything that proved his goodness and his wisdom sunday was the day in which she most believed in him the day set apart for her worship of him by what blindfolded pieties what subterfuges what evasions she had achieved her own private superstition was unknown even to herself it was by courage and the magic of personality some evocation of her lost gaiety and charm but above all by courage that she had contrived to impose it upon other people the cult of mr ransome reached its height at four o'clock on this sunday afternoon when ranny's uncle john randall jr and aunt randall dropped in to tea both mr and mrs randall believed in mr ransome with a fervent immovable faith of innocence that has once for all taken an idea into its head long ago they had taken it into their heads that mr ransome was a wise and good man they had taken it on hearsay on conjecture on perpetual suggestion conveyed by mrs ransome and on the grounds absolutely incontrovertible that they had never heard a word to the contrary never until the other day when that young mercier came to wandsworth and as mrs randall said everybody knew what he was whatever it was that mr randall had heard from young mercier and told to mrs randall the two had agreed to hold their tongues about it for emmy's sake and not to pass it on wild horses mrs randall said wouldn't drag it out of her not that they believed or could believe such a thing of mr ransome who had been known in wandsworth for five and twenty years before that young mercier was so much as born and by holding their tongues about it and not passing it on they had succeeded in dismissing from their minds for long intervals at a time the story they had heard about mr ransome for mind you said mr randall if it got about it would ruin him ruin him it would as much as if it was true long afterward when she thought of that sunday and how beautifully they'd spoken of mr ransome that sunday when they had had tea upstairs in the best parlor on the front that sunday that had been half pleasure and half pain that strange and ominous sunday when poor ranny had broken out and been so wild long afterward when she thought of it mrs ransome found that tears were in her eyes she had no idea then that they had heard anything family affection was what you looked for from the randalls and on sundays they showed it by a frequent dropping in to tea john randall the draper was a fine man a tall erect full-fronted man a superb figure in a frock-coat a man with a florid handsome face clean shade for the greater salience of his big moustache dark grizzled like his hair a man with handsome eyes prominent slightly bloodshot generous eyes he might have passed for a soldier but for something that detracted something that ranny noticed but even ranny hesitated to call it flabbiness in so fine a man mr randall had married a woman who had been even finer than himself and she was still fine with her black hair dressed in a prominent pompadour and her figure curved by the tightness of her sunday gown under her polished hair mrs randall's face shone with a blonde pallor it had grown up gradually round her features and they becoming more and more insignificant were now merged in its general expression of goodwill ranny noted with wonder this increasing simplification of his aunt randall's face she entered as if under stress towing her large husband through the doorway and in and out among the furniture the room that received them was full of furniture walnut wood mid-victorian in design upholstered in rep which had faded from crimson to an agreeable old rose 
rep curtains over nottingham lace hung from the two windows there was a davenport between them and opposite a cabinet with a looking-glass back in three arches it was mr ransome's social distinction that he had inherited this walnut wood furniture modernity was represented by a brand-new overmantel in stained wood and bevelled glass with little shelves displaying japanese vases the wallpaper turned this front parlour into a bower of gilt roses slightly tarnished on a greyish ground and as mrs ransome sat at the head of the oval table in the centre you would never have known that she was the woman with red eyes the furtive whispering woman who had opened the door to her son randall last night she sat in a most correct and upright attitude she looked at john randall and his wife and smiled and flushed with gladness and with pride it took so little to make her glad and proud she was glad that bessie was wearing the black and white which was so becoming to her she was glad that there was honey as well as jam for tea and that she had not cut the cake before they came she was proud of her teapot and of the appearance of her room she was proud of mr ransome's appearance at the table where he sat austerely and of her brother john randall who looked so like a military man and john randall talked he talked it was what he had come for he had a right to talk he was a member of the borough council an important man a man it was said of him with ideas he was a liberal and so for that matter was mr ransome both were of the good safe middle class and took the good safe middle line they sat there the nottingham lace curtains veiled them from the gazes of the street but their voices raised in discussion could be most distinctly heard for the window was a little open letting in the golden afternoon they sat and drank tea and abused the tory government not any one tory government but all tory governments mr ransome said that all tory governments were bad mr randall aiming at precision said he wouldn't say they were bad so much as stupid cowardly and dishonest stupid because they were incapable of the ideas the liberals had cowardly because they let the liberals do all the fighting for ideas dishonest because they stole the ideas purloined them carried them out and sneaked the credit and when ranny asked if it mattered who got the credit provided they were carried out mr randall replied solemnly that it did matter my boy it mattered a great deal credit was everything the nation's confidence was everything a government lived on credit and on nothing else and his father told him that he hadn't understood what his uncle had been saying if anybody asks me said mr ransome he interrupted himself to stare terribly at mrs ransome who was sending a signal to her son in a whisper have a little slice of ginger cake ran dear if anybody asks me my objection to a tory government i'll put it for him said mr ransome in a nutshell let's have it fully more said mr randall and mr ransome let him have it in a nutshell with a tory government you always sooner or later have a war and who said mr ransome wants war mr randall bowed and made a motion of his hand toward his brother-in-law a complicated gesture which implied destruction of all tory governments homage to mr ransome and dismissal of the subject as definitively settled by him mrs ransome seized the moment to raise her eyebrows and the teapot toward mrs randall and to whisper again surreptitiously just another little drain of tea then ranny who had tilted his chair most dangerously backward was heard saying something a bit of scrap now and then with other nations was in ranny's opinion a jolly good thing kept you from getting flabby kept you fit 
mr randall in a large forbearing manner dealt with ranny he wanted to know whether he ranny thought that the world was one almighty poly jim and mr ransome answered that's precisely what he does think made for his amusement the world is ranny was young and so they all treated him as if he were neither good nor wise and ranny desperately tilted backward looked at them all with a smile that almost confirmed his father's view of his philosophy he was working up for his great outbreak he could feel the laughter struggling in his throat i don't say said mr ransome ignoring his son's folly that i'm complaining of this boer war in a special if anything he weighed it determined in his rectitude to be just even to the war if anything we sold more of some things now what said mrs randall do you sell most of in time of war sleeping draughts heart mixture nerve tonic stomach mixture and so forth and he can tell you said mr randall to a month's bookin what medicine he'll sell what's more said the chemist with a sinister intonation i can tell who'll want them can you really now said mrs randall why fullymore you should have been a doctor shouldn't he emmy mrs ransome laughed softly in her pride he couldn't be much more than he is why he doctors half the poor people in wandsworth they all come to him whether it's toothache or bronchitis or the influenza or a housemaid with a whitlow on her finger and he prescribes for all if all the doctors in wandsworth died to-morrow some of us would be no worse off many's a doctor's bill he saved me said mr randall yes but it's a tryin life for him sufferin as he is in his own health never knowin when the night-bell won't ring and he have to get up out of his warm bed he doesn't spare himself i can tell you and on they went for another quarter of an hour boldly asserting delicately hinting subtly suggesting that mr ransome was a good man as if ranny reflected anybody had ever said he wasn't mr ransome withdrew himself to his armchair by the fireplace and the hymn of praise went on it flowed round him where he sat morose and remote and ranny in the window-seat was silent listening with an inscrutable intentness to the three voices that ran on he marvelled at the way they kept it up when his mother's light soprano broke breathless for a moment on a top note mrs randall's rich guttural contralto came to its support mr randall supplying a running accompaniment of bass and now they burst all three of them into anecdote and reminiscence illustrating what they were all agreed about that mr ransome was a good man nobody asked ranny to join in nobody knew nobody cared what he was thinking least of all mr ransome he was thinking that he had asked fred booty into tea and that he had forgotten to say anything about it to his mother and that fred was late and that his father wouldn't like it he didn't he didn't like it at all he didn't like fred booty to begin with and when the impudent young monkey arrived after the others had gone and had to have fresh tea made for him thus accentuating and prolonging the unpleasantly the intolerably festive hour mr ransome felt that he had been tried to the utmost and that courtesy and forbearance had gone far enough for one sunday so he refused to speak when he was spoken to he turned his back on his family and on booty he impressed them with his absolute and perfect disapproval for as the headache worked in mr ransome all young and gay and innocent things became abominable to him especially young things with spirits and appetites like his son randall and fred booty this afternoon they inspired him with a peculiar loathing and disgust so did the malignant cheerfulness maintained by his wife 
escape no doubt was open to him he might have left the room and sat by himself in the back parlour but he spared them this humiliation outraged as he was he would not go to the extreme length of forsaking them he was a good man and as a good man he would not be separated from his family though he loathed it so he hung about the room where they were he brooded over it he filled it with the spirit of the headache young booty became so infected so poisoned with this presence that his nervous system suffered and he all but choked over his tea young booty with his humour and his wit the joy of polly rambler sat in silence miserably blushing crumbling with agitated fingers the cake he dared not eat and all the time trying not to look at ranny for if he looked at ranny he would be done for he would not be able to contain himself beholding how ranny stuck it and what he made of it that intolerable that incredible sunday afternoon how he saw it through how he got back on it and found in it his own for as mr ransome went from gloom to gloom ranny's spirit soared indomitable and his merriment rose in him wave on wave what he could make of it booty saw in an instant when mr ransome left the room at the summons of the shop-bell ranny with a smile of positive affection watched him as he went queer old percher ain't he ranny said then he let himself go addressing himself to booty the old porcupine may seem to you a trifle melancholy and morose you can't see what's going on in his mind you've no idea of the glee he bottles up inside himself fair bubblin and sparklin in him it is some day he'll bust out with it i shouldn't be surprised if at any moment now he was to break out into song booty very hot and uncomfortable under mrs ransome's eyes affected to reprove him you dry up you young rotter jolly lot of bottlin up there is about you but there was that in ranny which seemed as if it would never dry up he hopped a chair seven times running out of pure light-heartedness the sound of the hopping brought mr ransome in a fury from the shop below he stood in the doorway absurd as to his stature but tremendous in the expression of the gloom that was his soul what's going on here he asked in a voice that would have thundered if it could it's me said ranny practicin i won't have it then i have none of this leapin and jumpin over the shop on a sunday afternoon pandemonium it is haven't you got all the week for your silly monkey tricks i won't have this room used mother if he can't behave in it of a sunday and he slammed the door on himself on sunday evening said his son imperturbably as if there had been no interruption eight thirty to eleven at his residence high street wandsworth mr fullymore ransom will give an entertainment humorous impersonations mr f ransome step dancing mr f ransome ladies are requested to remove their hats song put me among the girls mr f ransome for shame ranny said his mother behind her pocket-handkerchief there will be a short interval for refreshment when festivities will conclude with a performance on the french horn mr f ransome his mother laughed as she always did relieved that he could take it that way but this time through all her laughter he could see that there was something wrong and in the evening when he had returned from seeing booty home she told him what it was they were alone together in the front parlour ranny she said suddenly if i were you i wouldn't bring strangers in for a bit while your father is sufferin as he is oh i say mother ranny was disconcerted for he had been going to ask her if he might bring winnie diamond in some day well she said it isn't as if he was one that could get away by himself like he's always in and out yes the old hedgehog scuttles about pretty ubiquitous don't he 
that was all he said but though he took it like that he knew his mother's heart he knew what it had cost her to give him that painful hint he was balancing himself on the arm of her chair now and hanging over her like a lover he had always been more like a lover to her than a son mr ransome's transports if he could be said to have transports of affection were violent with long intermissions and most brief ranny had ways soft words cajoleries caresses that charmed her in her secret desolation balancing himself on the arm of her chair he had his face hidden in the nape of her neck where he affected ecstasy in the sniffing in of fragrance as if his mother were a flower what do you do said ranny do you bury yourself in violets all night or what violets indeed get along with you violets aren't in it with your neck mother nor roses neither what did god almighty think he was making when he made you don't you dare to speak so said his mother smiling secretly oh lord bless you he don't mind said ranny he's not like parr and he plunged into her neck again and burrowed there ranny if you knew how you worried me you wouldn't do it you really wouldn't i don't know what'll come to you going on so reckless it's because i love you said ranny half stifled with his burrowing you fair drive me mad i could eat you mother and thrive on it get along with you there you're spoiling all my sunday lace ranny emerged and his mother looked at him such a sight as you are if you could see yourself she said she raised her hand and stroked not without tenderness his rumpled hair perhaps if you had a sweetheart rain you'd leave off making a fool of your old mother i wouldn't leave off kissing her said he and then suddenly it struck him that he had never kissed winnie he hadn't even thought of it he saw her fugitive swift darting rebellious rather than reluctant under his embrace and at the thought he blushed suddenly all over his mother was unaware that his kisses had become dreamy tentative foreboding she said to herself when his time comes there'll be no holding him but he isn't one that'll be in a hurry ranny isn't she took comfort from that thought end of chapter five recording by expatriate in bangor maine